Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as the expression as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is beading artist Laura Strickler. She's also a writer and my sister-in-law, so I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, and just to tell you a little bit about Laura, about 10 years ago, Laura Strickler bought a few beads and a little bit of bead wire, hoping to replicate a keychain that she admired at a craft fair. She quickly learned that you only need to know how to do a couple of things, crimping and wiring and wire wrapping, to be exact, to make just about anything you want with beads. The very short learning curve, the dazzling assortment of beads out there in the world, and the utilitarian nature of the final product kept her going. Finding an intersection where beading and spirituality met has been the most gratifying part of her hobby. Her signature prayer beads include traditional Catholic rosaries and chaplets, Hindu and Buddhist malas, Christian prayer beads, and a variety of non-denominational prayer and meditation beads. Laura lives in Atlanta, and she indulges her creative passions as an antidote to her real job in corporate communications at the Coca-Cola Company. Uh, she has her own business design and copy ink for 16 years, uh, providing writing, editing, and marketing communication services to a broad range of clients. Thank you so much for being with me today. Well, I'm delighted to be here. It's a thrill. Well, and over the years, I've had the pleasure of having a, a number of jewelry pieces of the beads that you've made, as well as um, some of your prayer beads. And a few years ago... I got the opportunity to go see the Dalai Lama when he was here in town, and you actually gave me a mala to wear that that my husband and I jokingly called my Hello Dalai Mala. <laughs> <laughs> so I have it in my office and just think it has all kinds of good energy around it. So it's got to. <laughs> that's right. So I, I love your beads, and I'm glad that you brought some samples, and we're going to post some samples of some photos on the website as well. But, oh, wonderful. So tell me how you got interested in beading and, and how you that kind of led you into prayer beads. Well, you know, like I said in my, my, my quick little bio, I just kind of stumbled into it. I bought a few beads and I wanted to make this kind of complicated looking keychain that I'd seen at a craft fair. And I, it was sort of complicated, but it, it, there were two skills that you really needed to make almost anything in the world I discovered. And I started making keychains like crazy. And then the next thing I knew, why not make some earrings and a couple necklaces? And I was just off and running after that. But the most exciting thing was discovering this spiritual aspect that you could bring to beading. And that, that was when I really thought, you know, the world does not need somebody else making beaded necklaces. But I really thought, you know, there aren't that many people out there making really personal and spiritual items with beads. And I did find a store nearby. Um, it was called the uh, Open Mind Center. And they actually asked me if I would make some malas. And I did, I'd never even heard of a mala before, but I loved the idea. And I found that a mala is 108 beads, and there's specific meaning. There's, you know, it's a spiritual number. Um, 
multiples of nine seemed to become important. But so I made a few malas, brought them to the store. Um, they didn't, you know, sell like hotcakes, but it was very interesting for me to make them. And then um, I kind of moved on and thought, well, a mala really probably isn't that different from a Catholic rosary. So I looked that up and I ordered the parts that I needed to do that and made several rosaries and found many people were interested in getting a personalized rosary. And um, then I learned that there's a sort of abbreviated rosary called a chaplet. And I thought, wow, you know, I kind of have ADD. That'd be a much better thing. If I were Catholic, <laughs> I would much rather have something that doesn't involve so much repetition. And, uh, you know, if you're in a hurry, you got to go catch a bus. This is a much better meditation <laughs> or prayer to do. Um, so, you know, then I discovered that there's a Christian version of a prayer bead. And that has yet a different configuration. And after that, I kind of started to think, well, this is kind of seeming a little random to me. Why not make a prayer bead for people in 12-step programs where there are 12 significant beads or prayer beads for, you know, someone who has a very unique circumstance. Um, we had a family friend with a young daughter who had leukemia, and I knew that they were all Catholic. And there are three kids in the family and the mom and the dad, and I made them all different prayer beads because I know them well. And I could kind of channel what I knew about them into the beads. And they were delighted, and I really do think it helped them get through what they were going through with a sick child. Well, and I think it was about the time that you started doing prayer beads. I was familiar with the term of malas, and I was familiar with what they looked like, but I didn't really understand what they were for. And so I think it was about the time that you started making the malas that I also read the book Eat, Pray, Love, which has a theme of a mala that kind of runs through the story. And it so intrigued me. And so I, you actually gave me a mala that I started using and started using in my meditations, you know, and I, I just was so excited about it. And I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. And I actually had, um, it was, it, I got together with my, one of my friends who's Catholic. We were having lunch and I was saying, Dave, this is the coolest thing. I've been using this mala and I've been saying, you know, my meditation and prayers as I do it. And he just laughed at me and he said, well, what do you think a rosary is? <laughs> I said, I didn't know. I I had no idea. I didn't know that that was what that was for. Right, right. And so then you find out that people are using beads for all different religions. And it's like, well, you know, you had asked me a little bit earlier, what's my religion? And, you know, I don't have a particular religion. I kind of consider myself pan-religious. So I thought I am the perfect person to make all these different beads because I'm not I'm not judgmental. I don't have any prayer beads that I make that I think, oh my gosh, this is just not for me. I think they're all great, but I also think, you know, why not just think of yourself as an individual and what kind of how, what kind of connection do you want to use your beads for? And let's make something very unique just for you. And that's when it, I thought it got really exciting. But there are a lot of very traditional religious people out there who want the traditional rosaries or the traditional Christian prayer beads, and that's wonderful. Well, and I I am amazed at the variety and beauty of beads. Mm -hmm. A a number of years ago, I did a graphic design project for a friend that was into beading, and that was the first time I had been introduced into how many gorgeous beads there are out there. Oh, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I go to bead shows, and it's like 
you know, sending a crack addict into <laughs> into a crack house. I mean, it is just, you know, you want to buy them all. So, and you can walk out with the tiniest little bag and spend five hundred dollars, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> they're all st- they're all different price points of beads as well. They are, they are, and they just don't take up much room. So, so when you're creating um, a, a, some sort of prayer beads, a mala or something else, is it more fun for you to know who you're creating it for, or is it more fun just to kind of free flow it and put one together that you? I think it's beautiful. I think it's more fun to know who it is. Um, a couple of years ago, I met a woman who was in, in, in an advanced stage of breast cancer, and she was a friend of a friend, and we spent an evening together at a party, and I really I really thought she was a, a wonderful person. I, I really felt for her. I knew she didn't feel well. Um, and our mutual friend came to me and said, would you make Vicky some prayer beads? And she's kind of like me she doesn't have a particular religion so we could kind of go crazy and i said okay well just tell me you know some information about what she's interested in and any colors that might come to your mind or her mind that would be special for her and i wound up making the wackiest prayer beads i've ever made they had different charms with all different symbols hanging off weird little places here and there and i made them long enough so that she could put them over her neck and wear them and evidently she wore them you know all the time and unfortunately she did pass away about a month ago but she she carried on for really quite a while considering um how advanced her her illness was but it was so meaningful to me to know who it was, what the circumstances were, and you know what what her personality was, so that I could create for that. Well, and I'm sure that because she was going through such a serious thing in her life, that it was kind of fun to have something wacky that could lighten the mood for her. Exactly, and something where you know they say that when you use your prayer beads, you kind of impart power to them. So if you if you meditate with your prayer beads, and and the Buddhists and the Hindus say forty times, and there is a lot of very prescriptive things about certain kinds of prayer beads, but they say that if you meditate, you know, a certain number of times with your prayer beads, you actually impart power to them and just having them close to your body or putting them around a sick plant or doing you know you can use them to bring energy bring spiritual energy your own spiritual energy to to yourself or to other people just by touching them well and i know we've had conversations over the years about using prayer beads um, also as a gratitude exercise that you can if you aren't necessarily wanting to use them as a prayer as such you can you know, use each bead as a thank you for Absolutely. something that's going on. Yeah, and I and I did. I brought um, the gratitude prayer beads that I made. One of them, and it just has a little charm at the end that says gratitude. It has ten. 10 key beads separated by some smaller beads and I thought you know you'd sit down and uh, close your eyes and and as your fingers pass over the beads you think of 10 different things you're grateful for and that's a really nice meditation and it could be a daily practice so it can either be 10 different things you're grateful for or the same thing 10 times exactly or it could be a subject maybe you want to think about your your marriage or your relationship and you want to think of 10 things you love about your partner um, or ten things you're happy are going on in your relationship at the moment. I mean, you can focus any way you want. And that that was where, you know, when I realized, you know, kind of how sort of random these configurations are, you know, I thought, why not just make it your own? 
And so it could be. And, you know, this is one of my favorite stories is uh, um, if you follow Abraham Hicks, um, Esther Hicks, Esther and Jerry came up with a meditation they call the alphabet meditation. And so it's just as simple as can be. You go through the alphabet and you could do it on a specific topic or do it on no particular topic. But you start with A and you think of an A, a word that starts with A that is positive and relevant to what your meditation is. And you move on to B and you move on to C. And it's really a way of elevating your mindset. And I thought, wow, I can make alphabet meditation beads with 26 beads and maybe a big anchor bead. And I did, and I made a set for Esther, and I made a set for Jerry, and I mailed them off in the mail, and they were tickled pink about them. And I made the same ones for myself that I made for Esther, because I just think she's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, why not have the alphabet meditation beads? I mean, you can you can go anywhere with this. Well, and it's all about just focusing. And so the bead pulls you into a point of focus. Okay. And then the exercise, like the alphabet exercise, pulls you into a point of focus. So if you can combine them together, it it's, makes it an easy way to stay very focused in this moment, which is where our power is. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about, you know, the old worry beads, which, you know, I don't like the negative implication. Right. If I made them, I would say, don't worry beads. <laughs> <laughs> but worry beads are actually not spiritual at all. They're meant to relieve stress. They're meant to give focus, and they're also meant to actually, they, they, they indicate that it's for people who want to cut down on smoking. Wow. Yeah. So that's there's no religious significance at all to worry beads, but they're the same thing. Well, and I, I know that you've done a lot of research around prayer beads once you got started with the prayer beads, and you were just mentioning before you um, before we went on air that you actually looked up the meaning of the word bead before you came. I did, because I, I just thought it was so interesting. It comes from the Old English um, word bede, which means prayer. Which is amazing. I know, just the bead <laughs> itself is a prayer. So I, I thought that was, I mean, it's just the perfect anchor for making your, making your bead creations into prayer beads, into a spiritual practice. Well, and... And you are very creative, and you do lots of different things. In addition to your bead jewelry and your prayer beads, you, you're a writer, and you do a lot of different things. I'm curious if you have a process that you use to kind of connect to your creativity to get into that creative zone before you start working, and if it's different for the different aspects of your creativity that you explore. I think with anything, I mean, there are definitely those times, I think everybody feels it, when you're just lit up with inspiration. You're like, oh, I've got to write whatever i got to write. I'm a journal entry or a short story or whatever. Oh, I've got the best idea for a necklace or something. But then there are other times where you just kind of don't feel like it. And those are times that, you know, real writers, professional writers say, you do it anyway. You just get started. And even with beating, I've actually had some times where I've sat down and I'm kind of like, eh, I kind of don't really feel like doing this, but... I'm going to do it anyway. Maybe I had to make some gifts or something. And sure enough, you get into it a little bit, and sometimes the inspiration comes after you get started, and then you can keep going. And they and, and writers say that happens all the time. You know, I sat down this morning, and I really had nothing, and I started in anyway, and I did the best writing of my month that day. So, you know, it's it, it, sometimes the... the tail wags the dog and sometimes the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just a priming of the pump exactly. to kind of get it started. And then once the flow starts, 
then it's flowing. And I think you know this too, Vanessa, because you have so many different creative pursuits. It it, it might be kind of like a muscle. You know, you if, if you if you stop creating, it's easy to sort of you know, lose that muscle. And it seems kind of funny to think of something as fun as creative pursuits as being, you know, a discipline. But I think there there is an mm-hmm. element of that. Well, and I know that um, Julia Cameron is a big, I mean, I love her and I love all of her work, but that's one of the mm-hmm. things that she says, you have to just show up and do it. Exactly. And then, and then let the inspiration come from that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I would curious how your spirituality finds expression in your art. Well, um, you know, like I said, I, I have, I have, you know, I think of spirituality as like a buffet. And it, when you're at the buffet, you don't have to have everything, but you kind of get to pick and choose. And when you're standing at the buffet on a Monday, you might pick different things than you pick on Tuesday. So, and I think our approach to our connection with our higher power, our higher selves can be very much the same. I mean, one day you're, you're not going to feel like approaching that the same you're not going to have the same set of issues you're bringing to your higher self so you're going to you know use creativity whether it's you know painting or writing or sketching um, or even meditating you're going to use it differently each day and and that's that to me is very inspiring just and that's why i don't really do the traditional religious route because i find it to be routinized and prescriptive and that's not going to necessarily address what i'm showing up with each time so it sounds like you always have lots of ideas and are pursuing lots of ideas how do your ideas come to you and how do you decide which ideas you're going to you're going to move forward with I don't know if I have decided which ideas to move forward with. I think that's I think that's a constant tension and I think that, you know, people who, you know, are like rock stars or um, you know, professional writers or professional artists who manage to make a living doing what they are passionate about are the most fortunate people in the world. Um, for me, you know, I have a, a real job and it takes more time than I wish that it did. So the creative passions and the creative pursuits, I really have to, you know, sometimes I, they bubble up and I can't even begin to do them. I have to sort of push it all aside. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, I think you have to be very intuitive about it and listen really carefully to what you feel like you need to do in the moment. I mean, there, there are certain things you, you need to do because someone's asked you, you know, for a gift, to make someone a gift or to, you know, fulfill a need. But for yourself spiritually, you really have to tap into, you know, what, what would be the most important thing for me to use my time for? And that's always a tricky thing is to, you know, balance what's most important for me to use my time for and the responsibilities and commitments you've made to other people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So it it, it turns out there's very little time that I spend just doing kind of what I want to do. And and beading is kind of a funny thing, too, because it's really easy for your beads to get all disorganized and, you know, in, in a disarray. So you can go into begin beating and you can look around and be like, well, I really ought to, you know, organize all these findings and all these new things. And hours can go by and all you've done is organize your stuff. 
And I mean, that's almost a meditation in itself right. because it's very soothing to even just move them around and feel them and touch them. But, um, oh, I just, I would, I would give anything to just get up in the morning and have nothing else to do but create. <laughs> <laughs> so how has your art affected your spiritual evolution or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? Oh, I think they've been very, I think they've been very intertwined. I mean, this whole discovery process of that all these different religions have all of these different practices. Um, on the one hand, it could kind of overwhelm you and you kind of can get mired in, in the details. And, and I was looking at some of the practices this morning to remind myself, you know, it's the mala is 108 beads and you hold it in your left, right hand and you don't let your index finger touch them. And, and you can really get kind of stressed out about um, all the rules and regulations around how you use these types of devices. Um, or, on the other hand, you know, what happened to me was I, I thought, this is sort of a, a wide open place. You know, it, it can be absolutely anything. And I think taking that approach to spirituality and there are so many wonderful thinkers out there today and such a huge, huge breadth of, of books that you can read and different ideas that you can collect and um, you know, signing up to believe everything that one person says or everything that one religion has to offer um, to me is it, it's a it's a real sacrifice. You lose out on that sort of alchemy that you can get when you say, I like the best of what these 30 different people are thinking or what these five different religions have to offer, whether it's Quaker, Baha'i, um, you know, Protestantism or Buddhism. You can, you can really amalgamate in your own personal way. And that's the, really understanding all these different prayer bead traditions helped me feel really comfortable sort of pursuing an alchemist approach to spirituality. Well, and I, at Christmas time, you gave me one of the small malas that's more like a chaplet and you call it your ADD mala, which I love that because I, you know, I get to the point that I, you know, I'm just so busy and there's so many things going on that I, it's hard to make the time to sit still and so it's nice to have something that, you know, even if I'm out walking, I can carry it and use it as a meditation as I'm walking. But it doesn't take a lot of time. And that's what they say about meditation, especially when you're just beginning a meditation practice. Just a couple, two, three, five minutes a day can make a huge difference in your brainwave patterns and your, really your entire outlook on how you're going to approach your day and your life. So in addition to making the bead, um, the uh, prayer beads, do you find that you actually use that as a practice as well? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea, though. It's ideal. It would be ideal. I See, I love that, that yeah. you are honest about that. I, I love the idea, but I know, right. I, I'm no more disciplined than the next person when it comes to that. Um, but I never leave home without them. I have them in my purse every day. And so it's always a reminder. It is. So in a way, there's that aspect of the talisman. Right. So if, if nothing else, if I made prayer beads for you and you never used them to actually meditate or pray, but you regarded them as, your, as a personal talisman that was significant for you and you kept them with you, that's a great thing. 
So I, but I, I have been reading a lot lately um, from Brian Johnson and taking his Optimal Living 101 class online. And he is a daily meditator. He said he, he made a commitment, I think about four years ago, to meditate every day and has never missed one day. And he said it has made the most significant change in his life that he he can't even describe it. And it's really inspired me. And I thought, well, you know, gosh, I, I've got all the tools for sure. Right. And so I'm inspired to make a commitment to a daily meditation practice and actually pull my prayer beads out of their little cloth bag that I keep them in and, and use them for what they're intended for. Well, and I do, but I do love that idea of them being a talisman as well, because, you know, both the Hello Dolly Mala that you <laughs> gave me and the, the smaller one, they both, you know, live in my office. And so when I see them, it's not only a reminder of how much I love you, but it's also a reminder of, oh, this is a, a time to be still and to remember, you know, be have gratitude and to think of you know, this moment and getting into whatever work I'm getting into. Absolutely. I mean, it's a real anchoring symbol. And, you know, what a wonderful way to pause and be reminded. I mean, anything we can do in our lives to put symbols around us that remind us what really matters and to stop and take a breath and to get centered, you know, we can bring a better version of ourselves to anything that we're going to do if we, if we, have those things sprinkled throughout our our space and throughout our day. Well, and I'm such a touchy person and such a kinesthetic person that I love the the sensualness of the beads and the feel of the beads and, you know, holding in my, and there's so many different styles of beads that, you know, I know that, you know, some of them actually have little things attached to them. So as you, even if you wanted to use them with your eyes closed, you would be able to kind of tell where you were. Absolutely. And I, and I have made some prayer beads where, you know, a- almost every configuration of prayer beads has a certain number of beads and then a bigger one that sort of s- provides a segmentation aspect. And so, for example, the Christian prayer bead has four different groups of seven beads. And the four groups are the uh, four seasons, the four gospels, um, the seven in each of the groups is the seven days of creation. Um, it's a total of 33 beads, which is the length of Jesus's life on earth. Um, but I've made some of them where those larger beads that separate the segments are all very different. So if you do have your eyes closed, you're, you could get to one that's, you know, you, you would know that you're, that you're moving on and where you are in your meditation. I think that's really powerful. I think that's really a, a cool way that you know you can visually see the beads and appreciate the beauty or you can close your eyes and and be able to go more inward as you're still using the beads as a tool absolutely you know, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't like to that that tactile aspect of rocks or beads um you know what's what's not to love you know all the different things that you can feel and um it, it's just very very satisfying so tell our listeners how they could get in touch with you if they wanted to contract with you to make a, a prayer bead for them. Well, probably the best way is just to, to send me an email. My email address is very easy. It's lstrickler, which is my name, at mac.com. 
And um, I would absolutely love to hear from anyone who wants to work and and put and create some personal prayer beads for anyone. Well, I know at different times you've had a couple places in Atlanta that have carried your prayer beads. Do you have anywhere now that's carrying those? I don't, you know, and I I, I went back into the real world about two and a half years ago, and and I decided at that time that I really needed to focus on that while I was kind of getting up a pretty steep learning curve. So I kind of shut down for, for for lack of a better word that that part of what I had going on and now I'm bringing a little more balance into my world and I'm really looking forward to waking that back up so I don't have anywhere I do have some inventory um, on hand now though so um, you know anybody who wants something that's already made I, I have several different things to choose from so getting close to the end of the year it's a great time for gifts as a prayer bead and I know you've it got a, a book that you recommend that Um, people that talks about prayer beads. Can you just tell our listeners what that is as well? Yeah, I was so delighted to find this book. It's by Nan Lewis Dorr, and that's D-O-E-R-R, and Virginia Stem Owens. And this is specifically for Christians. Um, The Christian prayer bead, which I just described the format, um, is is probably one of the newest prayer beads to sort of come about. You know, the earliest prayer beads from the Hindus and the Sikhs and the um, Buddhists date way back BC, many, you know, many hundreds of even thousands of years BC. Um, but the Christian prayer beads, I think they kind of not that long ago, I think maybe in the 1930s or 40s, said, "Hey, wait a minute, we <laughs> we want we want to do that too." So they actually, you know, they devised this configuration, and then there's this great book. It's called Praying with Beads, and the subtitle is Daily Prayers for the Christian Year. So they give you a different, I think it's daily. They give you, or it it may be weekly or daily, I'm not sure, but they give you a different type of prayer that you can pray and use your your prayer beads to, to, you know, help facilitate the prayer. I love how when you get an idea, I mean, all of us as artists, when you get an idea and then you find other ideas that build on that idea and it kind of grows and expands beyond what your original thought was on that. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that that's, you know, that whole... I, I think the farthest edge that I see with this is is really that true personalization, like those beads that I made um, for that wonderful woman with breast cancer. That was the most personal thing I've ever made for anyone. And it was, I think, you know, I had no idea when I made my first mala that, you know, that's where we could go with this. Well, and I think, you know, as as artists, our energy Im- goes into everything that we create as well. So I'm sure she could feel your energy every time she had those beads and used those beads and carried those beads with her. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that has to be absolutely true because, you know, they say that as you use yours, you impart energy and, and that's how, you know, they become so powerful. And I've also heard that you shouldn't let other people use your prayer beads for that same that same reason. I know, and you know, some of those are those are some of those rules. You know, like with malas, they say if you have more than one mantra, you need to use a different mala for your different mantras. And, and it seems like, a little restrictive. Like, really? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> what if I break that rule? What happens? You know, right. who's going to come get me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much for being with us on the show. Oh, it's so, been so much. Tell fun. our listeners one more time how they can how they can email you. Okay. Yeah. That best thing would be. Through your email and it's l strickler that's s-t-r-i-c-k-l-e-r at mac.com that's m as in mother a-c-k.com a-c-m-a-c.com m-a-c.com great well thank you so much for being on the show thank you and thank you to our listeners i welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows 
You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artisworship.net. Please come share your stories of Art as Worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash artisworship. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.